So how you doing? How's work going? Busy. Um, we're kind of getting into this newer, long story short, I'm talking to my team yesterday about redeveloping our website to kind of have the minority report feel. Like the movie we, minority? Similar. So what we do now, we can do predictive modeling, which is unheard of in our business because marketing is art and science. A lot of it is art, but we're getting so heavy on the science that we can basically within a 95% accuracy provide a model to a company. Like here's how you can grow your and scale your business on these channels. Here's the budget, basically forecasting the future. So we were trying to think about creating our website to make it almost like a minority report, like plug in all this stuff. And you can basically like predict, you know, here are the options of what your future of your business could look like. That's amazing. So yeah. I guess that's a good place for me to start with my first question. So the whole idea of what I'm trying to do with this podcast is talk with people who are in super interesting and not even super interesting fields. But I, I feel like most of the folks I know who are successful right now or loving what they're doing, they didn't start off saying, this is what I want to do. And so the whole idea of this podcast is how do these people like yourself follow your heart or go with your gut and decisions either in your life or in your career that brought you to where you are today? So I guess my first question is, how would you describe what you do? Like if you were at a conference, oh, hey, what do you do for a living? What's your title? What do you say? Well, from a title, I'll say founder and CEO. And I say founder because some companies have CEOs that weren't the founders, you know, and when I was first starting out, I'm like, who am I calling myself a CEO? I'm a solopreneur yeah. founder, right? <laughs> and I wasn't trying to fake it to make it, but that is the legit title. Like that is the title, but you, you know, you just got to own it. So, so founder it and like, CEO, like, uh, and, and what's the company Like, you're a founder CEO yeah. of a company that. Yeah. So now we actually just updated our value proposition because our company has evolved. Uh, so we're in version one of what this sounds like literally yesterday, hot off the press, but basically we're helping businesses. I say, look, we take data so that you can make high. Oh, see, I, I'm not, I'm not a brand guy within my team. Um, but basically, you know, <laughs> you do branding, but you're not the brand guy. Marketing. Is it fair to say you're founder and CEO of a data analytics and marketing company, or is that simplifying it too much? Yeah. I mean, you can simplify it. I try to always try to use non-jargon. So basically we help businesses unify their data so they can make better decisions to understand the health and ecosystem of their business. Okay. Perfect. So when you were in undergraduate, your major was not help businesses understand their data so they can make better decisions. There's no major that is titled that. So talk to me about like where you started professionally from college and what you thought you were going to do when you were in college and how that might have shifted. So like, what was your major, for example, in undergrad? Well, when I first started out, I was a bio major because I wanted to go into physical therapy. Wow. And then, yep, chemistry did me in when I, I had to take chemistry. And then I switched sophomore year to business and I became a business management major and it just clicked for me. It just felt natural. Business management felt natural. So that's a huge shift. I mean, that's 180. That's biology, chemistry, and physical therapy. And then talk me through how you were one class was enough of a catalyst for you. I mean, you're also what, 19, 20 years old, but like, did you grow up wanting to do biology or physical therapy or become a doctor? Like, where did the biology piece come from for you to switch it so drastically? That's a good question. Good interview here, Patrick. So uh, in high school, playing soccer, I blew up my knee, tore up my ACL, 
And I was so impressed with the physical therapist team that helped rehab me. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to help people like that. And that was my passion. Just another side story. My, my family didn't have money. You know, we were immigrants and parents was working three jobs. And I lost my, my dad when I was a junior in high school. So when I was in college uh, or prior to going to college, I almost signed up with the Marines and I asked them, do you have, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you have a physical therapy program? Well, we can get you into med school. And I'm like, no, I really want to be a physical therapist. I literally had the pen in my hand sitting in front of the What? I've never heard this. And I almost joined the Marines because I was trying to find ways to fund myself to go to college. And luckily the recruiter was really honest and didn't try to just convince me, right. To hit a quota, just, Hey, I got another recruit. And you know, I know a lot of what you do is about follow your guts. And, um, I held off, you say, Hey, I held off. And then something you know, inside of you, yeah. there, there was something not sitting right. Yeah. How old were you at that point? You're 17. Senior year. So 18. 17, 18 years old, senior year of 18. high school. Yep. You're, you're about to do a life-altering decision, pen in hand, which I never heard this story. You and I have known each other a long time. Um, but there, yeah, you somehow were tuned that, in. I haven't told that to a lot of people, Patrick. Wow. Oh, well, uh, we can edit that out if it needs to come out. But that, oh, that, no, that's no. powerful I mean, it, stuff, it, man. That's incredible. It's just, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't come up in conversation, right? But, you know, it was because I was trying to find ways to kind of help you know, my family didn't have the money, but luckily I had a decent amount of financial aid getting to Providence College. And so I went and became a bio major. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it this way. You know, and I'm close to my family and not being away from them. And then, you know, I always got great grades, good grades. And it was chemistry was really challenging for me. And I was, you know, I just wasn't interested. I'm like, I can't believe I had to jump through these hoops to do physical therapy because the program's the same if you're going to be a med student um, versus a physical therapist. Right. So it made sense if, if that was the path I was going to take. And in high school for two years, I was class president and going into province college, I was a Red Bull rep. So I was in doing some, my own zoom marketing kind of like for this new drink, energy drink, Red Bull, which at the time was groundbreaking. No one had heard of it. We're like, what is this yeah. small can, you know, and you, you are the representative of this cool new company on campus. Yeah, being the guy. One, one per college or university was one of the great experience I ever had of understanding, you know, realizing it till now, like that type of marketing, you know, that really right. innovative underground word of mouth, you know, edgy marketing. And you took that just to, to make ends meet on the side. Like that was just a side hustle Out, outside of it kind of came across your radar as an opportunity that's the first time from what I'm hearing, that's the first time anything business slash marketing related kind of came onto your radar up until this point, you're still thinking bio, physical therapy, something in the medical field. And then yep. now Red Bull comes across cause you're trying to get as much money as you can because you're on scholarship and you've got money and you've got financial aid and you're trying to do what you can do to help you and your family. So that's where this Red Bull thing comes in, but it turns out unplanned, not on the radar to be this little seed that changes everything for you. I don't know if it was the seed that it was one of many, I think, because there's a lot of the things that happened that start compounding in my life to go into eventually where I am today, owning a marketing agency. But uh, 
know, I was to still fulfill my, my passion for physical therapy. I was a student athletic trainer. So I was getting okay. paid like work study, doing athletic training. Um, then I was working two jobs off campus in the restaurant doing waiting. <laughs> I was in student Congress and I was the president of the multicultural organization, which was the first time ever kind of unified uh, into the BMSA board of multicultural student affairs. Uh, so then I, I guess like when I look back, there's all these leadership roles and like yeah. managing and, and, and working and collaborating with just a lot of people moving pieces. And I believe that's when it just all started to like naturally come together. And I look back and I see th this was probably my calling. And I remember this one course in, I can't remember the specific class I took, but I remember this is what with Matt Paulson. I remember Matt Paulson was in this class to me. Your, your roommate. Yeah. So there was two different classes and it was broken down to, I think four teams per class. And basically it was like a virtual shoe business and you had to figure out the material cheap, medium or expensive. And then like, where are you going to have your manufacturing going to be based out of logistics? So like you basically are like creating your own global shoe empire. And I just remember talking with the team, like we should do this, uh, collaborating. I wasn't saying what the team should do, but that was such a cool experience. And we came in first place. What, and that's, like that, this, this is still in college and all these little yeah. things, including this class where you finish in first, like, oh man, this is something that I can do. I'm enjoying that. I'm being successful. You, you touched on something else. You touched on like four things that I want to go back to now at this point. So <laughs> you mentioned BMSA board of multicultural student affairs. In today's jargon and lingo, that's actually become a, a catchphrase known as DEI or diversity, equity, and inclusion. But you were part of this movement that is now kind of in the lexicon two decades before anyone was in mainstream America was really thinking about it. That's fascinating. I want to go back to that, but I want to explore something here. So I, I, you know, my Ted talk that I was lucky enough to give recently, and then this podcast that I'm trying to figure out here is, is about trying to explore what this inner voice is inside of all of us. And you mentioned it without even realizing you were mentioning it, uh, talking about sitting in this recruiter's office and you had the pen in hand and something, it was what you needed to do. You wanted to get the funding for college. It, it made sense. They could get you into a medical thing. You knew you wanted to do something medical moment in hand. And you said something didn't feel right. Um, and then again, you talked a couple of years later, you're in college, chemistry happened. Like I'm assuming something didn't feel right at some point. Your was this freshman year in college or sophomore this year when you changed? Sophomore year, sophomore year. So you're a little over a year into college. And again, something doesn't feel right. And you've got all these incredible things happening on the radar. Now you've got, you're placing first in this business class. You're, you're president of all these organizations. You're a, clearly a student leader. You're working your ass off, uh, at all these extra jobs. Something's not feeling right. So you've got external indicators. You've got this internal radar going off, this internal, like, call it what you, what would you call it? I guess that's what I'm trying to ask. How would you describe this, like, inner intuition, gut instinct, feeling? Like, what word would you use to describe when, when you, you realize, okay, maybe I need to switch out from bio to something else? Or when you realize you didn't need to go into the army and follow the recruiter, like, what was that? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I never, like, had an, like an isolated thought, like, oh, this is what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like gut intuition comes from just like life experience sometimes. Yeah. Um, but what's funny is you were young into your, I mean, you were early into your life. You're a 19, yeah. 20 year old, 17 year old in one <laughs> instance. 
and, but you already had it. Like you, I mean, now we're, we're sitting here in our forties, like, Oh my God, I was a baby when I was 17, but you had enough life experience, even at 17 to have a gut instinct on this. And, and looking back on it, was it the right move? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. No hesitation. Why? You talking about like signing the, uh, signing both. To, I'm actually to, talking about both. Yeah. Cause they're both super fast. I didn't know either about like, you. I remember the I mean, bio, but it was a long time ago. Patrick, we would never have met. If I bet you, if I went into the Marines, I would never have gone to PC. Yeah. So right there, I would never have met my wife. Yeah. All my loving friends that I still have around me, which is like a brotherhood, sisterhood from PC. Like I, I would never trade that. So that, yeah. that's one. Two, you know, could I have been a physical therapist? Probably. I could, probably could have grinded it out. Uh, probably just enough to pass. I wouldn't be where I am today doing what I love doing. But I still, I know that on the other life that I would have had, I still would have been super happy helping people, you know, get healthy. But it, it would have been a tough college experience though, because I'm just not someone that likes to fail. I'm very competitive, but I'm mm. also overachiever. I think I put too much on my plate, um, but I kind of always think I can figure it out. You know, I learned a lot of my grit from my parents, my mom. She worked three jobs. So, you know, I see her hustling throughout the night to help give us a better life. And that's kind of where I, I get my grit from. All right. So you're a hard ass worker, which I've always known about you. We've, mm -hmm. I've had the pleasure of being your friend now for how many, how long have we been friends? 25 years, somewhere around 25 years. Yeah, we've known each other. Plus, yep. We're getting to be old men. Um, so we're in your college experience now and you've turned down the army. You were right on the ver verge of doing that. Your gut said, maybe this isn't the thing for me. Where you're halfway through college, you've got these things that are indicators for you. You're leaders of student organization. You're working extracurricular jobs. You're succeeding in certain classes. You've decided to switch your major at this point, following your intuition, your life experience. By the time you reach graduation, you're now a college graduate. And the thing that's to this day that has driven me crazy about our commencement, any commencement, even when I go to commencements today, what drives me crazy is you hear these amazing speeches and you get a keynote speaker and they come across and they give these, you've done it. You, you know, you're, you're wearing the cap and gown and you're throwing the diploma in the air. And now I can go start the thing that I've wanted to start. I don't know about you, but when I graduated, I was, I'll never forget after finishing dinner with my roommates saying, now what? Like, now I was in a different position. I didn't even, I didn't even have the foresight to major in business like you did or marketing. I majored in philosophy, <laughs> so I was in a different spot, but you, ha I feel like you might've had a little more semblance at this point of what you kind of sort of wanted to get into. You were loving Red Bull. You were loving your business classes. You knew you were a born leader. And, and so you had some success in those realms. So commencement happens. We're walking out of the Dunkin' Donuts civic center. You've got your diploma. I know because I've been friends with you, I know what your next step was, but how did that come about and, and where did your intuition fit in with all of that? I don't know where I got this, but I was driven to get into pharmaceutical sales. Pharmaceutical okay. sales. Yes. There's business, very lucrative. Plus, you know, they got to like go golfing. I just saw, I, I forgot who I talked to um, and just the lifestyle <laughs> of it. So actually, I think I remember now, I think one of the lead trainers, cause I was, my work study was there, I believe his last year. So my senior, year, he was gone. He went to work for GlaxoSmithKline, pretty large firm. 
and it was the guy I admired. He was actually the, the trainer for the basketball team. And I was kind of wonder why he left, you know? So I kept in touch with him. And even for years after I kept in touch with him and he kind of tried to give me guidance, like, here's what you need to do. So when I graduated, I'm like, that's what I want to do. I got a chance to still be in the medical because I wanted to say medical one way or another, you know? So there, there's something inside of you here. Like there's a gut, something, mm-hmm. passion thing inside a common throughout that wants to stay in biomedical, human biology, something. Yeah. Helping the human one way or another. Okay. So I talked to, I try to get in to be a pharmaceutical sales rep in multiple uh, places. And they say, look, you don't have sales experience. Obviously you're right, or out of college. You got to go sell. This, these are the two things you got to go do. You either go sell copy machines because it's a very hard, like if you can succeed there, you can succeed anywhere. Copy um, machines. Who told you yeah, this? Copy machines. I can't remember the other industry. So I was like, fine, I'll go sell copy machines. I was like, short term, I'll crush it, whatever. I'll go do it. So, okay. and, um, so when I left, yeah, I went and, and we'll start selling like sharp, you know, copy machines in the Boston area. Did that few years and I actually was like decent at it, but like you're grinding, you're like out there, like that's like old school door to door grind, not the most like sexy, you know, industry, but it really cut my teeth and understanding, you know, deal with people, just like how to talk to people, how to work with people. Like, you know, you got gatekeepers and just like, you know, it's, it's not about like just selling, but it's also like understanding just human conversations. I mean, I really think the core of everything is really like communication. And, hmm. and it's crazy, like even understanding or like not like prejudging someone, right? They, how hmm. they look. And like, that was something I learned through this. I'm, I'm, I'm having so many interactions with people, but I also actually before that, I'm sorry, I back up here, Patrick. I, I was looking at marketing jobs, right? And I saw this like, oh, direct marketing, like tests, like, you know, Fortune 500 brands. So I started working for this company and basically I'm selling door to door literally selling product in a huge duffel bag, the water door, knocking on door solicitations. And they were telling me, Hey, Tom, you're actually providing like consumer insight on these Disney products. And like you had name brand products. Mm. And I started building a team. I had like a team of five. If once I get to six, I actually get to open my own shop. So I actually got a taste. Now I <laughs> It's all coming back to you now. (laughs) Actually, I'm coming to visualization right here live live in front of you, Patrick. Actually, I got a taste of like entrepreneurship. Okay. Like boots on the ground, just working my ass off, doing the sales, doing everything, building a team. Yeah. Like startup mode, basically. But I was building a team. And then once I got six, I actually would get funded by this. It was actually this huge international company. They, for them, it was all volume based. And I mean, I went to these conferences. It's like, four stars so first because i was like okay like i'm not an idiot you know with the problems college i'm gonna be like what is this thing like yeah and some people think it was like a, you know like pyramid a, a scheme, pyramid scheme. my wife said the same thing but you can call it a pyramid scheme they're everywhere right we see it today you know yeah. there's a reason why they exist though like it's multi, some it's some marketing. level yeah it's mm-hmm. some level they, they're marketing. yeah it works much level marketing where it works it just comes down to the product and what it is so i mean it's been around it's not gonna go away that one, I got to say, you know, I think back, my wife was like, I can't believe like you went through all that stuff. And I got to say, oh, honey, it was probably the best experience I had because it really taught me about people and hard work. Wow. Okay. And, so I there's mean, another, working, that's another crazy theme, right? So let me, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I apologize. 
but you said something that, that struck me again. So it sounds like you had people in your world, you mentioned your wife, like people in your atmosphere that were saying, Hey, you know, this is what some might consider failure or not optimal success. Like you're, you're grinding, you're hustling to what end? But yeah, even her, in her parents, her parents are like, what is Kyle doing? <laughs> uh, so I've lived that too, man. I mean, like, you know, I was supposed to be a lawyer and I was, at one point I was considering, uh, working you know, depending on how you looked at it, I was either considering working at the mall or working for Apple. Same difference. I was offered a job at the end of law school. I was offered a job to work as the lead genius at the genius bar, uh, depending on who you were, you heard Patrick's going to go work at the mall after finishing law school, or you heard Patrick's going to go work for Apple and train in California for two weeks. And so there were different ways to look at it, but I had a lot of pressure to follow through what I had started off on and take the bar exam and try law, et cetera, et cetera. You are doing this thing where it's like, okay, man, you're a college graduate. You've got your bachelor's, you're a smart and talented individual, and you're over here, depending on how you look at it, wasting your time hawking God knows what door to door or learning valuable leadership and business startup expertise that will one day go on to make you a founder and CEO. And so at the time, let me ask you, I'll ask you two ways because hindsight's 2020. So at the time, how did you see it as a success and failure? And now 20 years later, was it a success or a failure? And if it was a failure, was that a good failure? Like I talk in my TED talk about the idea that failure isn't necessarily a quote unquote bad thing. Failure can sometimes be the best thing. Yeah, I believe failures are lessons. So there's nothing, nothing's the failure, everything's a lesson. So at that time I knew because I made sure like I did my due diligence to make, okay, okay, what do I need to do here? All right, I need to get 16 members, show profitability. Mm -hmm. And then I get my own, my own building. Cause what I would go to the bank with the owner. Cause like he knew he had to prove it to me on, on every other day, he would have cash, all this cash and literally deposit it every day into the bank. And he showed me his bank account, like had hundreds of thousands of dollars in his bank account, hundreds. And this guy was, didn't, I don't think he went to college, you know? So wow. he was my boss. Right. So I'm seeing everyone around me too. It's a mix. People had you know, folks who same college degrees, some who didn't, but I understood the, the plan and methodology and, and the process, the system. I understood it because I saw it across the country. Right. So they said anyone can, can do this. And, and they were right. Um, yeah. Working whatever, 14 hour days. And then I worked on Saturday. I remember one time, Melissa, my wife, Melissa still brings this up. Say, come, we were out at a club in Boston and you were sleeping at the table. Because <laughs> I'm literally busting my ass and hustling for six days out of seven. So I, I never saw it as a failure. And then eventually I just, I kept getting like, I was getting close to getting the six and, and I get it and I would get back to five. And it was like, it was just, then I was like, okay, there's a lot of ways to get to, you know, success in whatever way that is. Right. So, I mean, at that time, everything's like for, for, for me and my age, I think a lot of people in that age was like, financial, right? Some type of financial, whatever we find to make the most money we can, that's success for us. So like, okay, I left, but I got to say, like, I didn't look at that whole experience as a waste or a failure. I was like, no, I, I think I exhausted my, what I need to do there and I'm applying it somewhere else. So that's when I went and started to 
re-engage about the pharmaceutical sales thing. It's like, I knew I was really good at sales and could, I was really great at talking to people because I would go and like down the hill, around the corner into a garage. And then I literally would unload my whole bag. Like I had like hundreds of dollars of merchandise in my bag and like I was able to sell it. And I was like training people on how to sell and upsell. And it was like, now you're learning form. techniques. You're learning, you're learning words yeah. like upsell. I mean, I'll never forget the first time I heard the word upsell was when we were waiting tables at a restaurant mm -hmm. in Rhode Island. Uh, and someone for the first time, I was a recent college graduate. So it was the summer we graduated. Didn't know what the hell I was going to do with my life. But I'm waiting tables on the beach here. And my manager is telling me upsell them on the drink. I'm like, what do you mean upsell? What are you talking about? I'm a waiter. I just take their orders. No, you and they introduced, I don't know if you remember, we had these competitions to sell these cups, the drinks. Remember the parrot cups that we had to sell? And so a, a patron, a, yeah. a customer could like order a pina colada or they could order a pina colada in the parrot head cup. And for $5 more, you get to keep the parrot head cup and you get to come back for refills. No one ever came back for the refills. So it was a win-win for the business. But it was the first time I had ever heard the idea that a waiter would be upselling a customer. I never heard the word before. So whether you're realizing it or not, call it a pyramid scheme. You used another word, multi-level marketing. Yeah. Is that the proper world? Multi-level LLM. LLM. So, but again, things you didn't learn in a classroom, I'm assuming when you're an undergrad, when you started off as a bio major. So you've had now, let's see here, you've had three different moments in your life at this point where you're in the middle of something, you think you know what you're doing, but things are pulling you in certain directions. So you start off, I'm going to go into the, the military. You start off with the military and knowing you want to do bio, you escape that by listening to some voice on the inside of your gut. You end up at a small liberal arts college in Providence, Rhode Island, you're majoring in biology. You're going to go into physical therapy. Oh, I, sorry, I want to cut you off here. Yeah. I, I didn't want to go to Providence College because I'm from Where'd you Rhode want Island. to go? I wanted to go to BC. I wanted to go to BU. I wanted to get out of here and go to a big city. So how the I hell did, did you end up saying go. you stayed my, in the my, smallest state in the country, right next to home? How the hell did that happen? <laughs> my sister said, just take a tour. Just take a tour. Your like, sister was the one advocating for Providence College. I, and again, I'm learning things. This who, podcast is the best just because I'm learning this shit about you. Your, <laughs> did, your is, sister didn't go to PC. Fun. We got to do this. We got we to do Dude, this. let's do this regularly. Um, so my sister went to URI, our nemesis locally. Yeah. URI in, in PC. So she went to URI, but she's like, she's like, just, just go check it out. Because I, I think because she knew how great of a college it was. But for me, I'm like... I'm getting out of here. Like, I'm going to go into the big city. I'm, I want big things. I'm ready for big things. What did it for me was Friars Club. blown. Get out Friars of here. Club. Now, now we're going to have to, <laughs> now we're going to have to post Patrick. this to the Friars Club chat on Facebook. Friars no, Club no, did it. Oh, no. the tour. So for those of you listening to this podcast that know nothing about Rhode Island Providence College or God forbid the Friars Club, we went to a small college together in Providence, Rhode Island. They have a, a group of volunteer students called the Friars Club that wear bright white jackets that serve as ambassadors for the college, including, I'm assuming where you were going with this, including giving tours of the college. So you had a tour with a Friars Club member. 
Well, n- not to downplay this this small college. Like right now, our basketball team is not to downplay. Kick, kicking ass right now. What are they ranked eighth? In the We're nation? eighth in the country, but we did just lose to Villanova by two points. No, it, but we're going builds, into the Big East tournament. Builds fire. It builds fire, fire, and for the first time in history, we won the Big East regular season. So, so shout out to so, Providence College. Thank you so much for everything we have. At the root of this podcast is rooted in my freshman year philosophy class with Father Kihu, but that's another story. Uh, so where were we? I, I completely lost track. We you, were talking. So you were doing you were doing a timeline. You're like, okay, so then you you know where you're, you're. Oh, your you're sister, Friars Club. Your yep. sister said you wanted to go to the big city. You're in the smallest state in the country. You want to get the hell out. You want to experience the big life in the big city in Boston or New York or somewhere. But your sister says, mm-hmm. take this tour. So to, actually, this is great because I'm assuming there was something in your gut that told you to stay where you didn't want to stay. This is what I'm trying to get at, man. Okay, perfect. So you have a vision in your mind like you did going into the military. You're like, I'm going to go to the military. Something in your gut said no. Now you have a vision in your mind. I want to go to the big city. You do this thing to do a favor for your sister. You go on this tour, you kind of don't want to go on this tour, and something happens. What happens? I saw the dynamic. Typically, it's one person that gives the tour, and it was two, because there was a senior. And she's like, I want to go on tour with my best friend. And I think she was a sophomore. But either way, just seeing the magic of that. And then, I mean, just it's the passion. It's the lot. Like, go, I, I go, I want that. That's what I want. And it goes back to human connectivity, right? Which is as mm. down to the core. It was a small campus, but everything they had, I was like, I liked it. It was like, they just cared about each other from the moment I stepped on campus, just throughout it, it just felt very supportive and homey. And I was like, you know what? You know, my mom's a single mom at this, you know, of course, because I lost my dad when I was in high school. I was like, okay, it's a win-win. Like it was a no-brainer. Like this just felt right. So I'm, I'm going to choose Providence College. Was that year? So gosh, at this point, you're probably 17 still, maybe 18. When you were looking at colleges, was that something you cared about? Something that felt homey or that had a human connection? Was that something you even knew you wanted? Not at all. So witnessing it for the first time awoke something inside of you. Yep. Like everything in my being said, this was it. Everything in your being. That's powerful. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so everything in your being. I never, I never said that before. That's actually really yeah. Interesting. That's that's like that's the deep shit we're trying to explore here. So everything yeah. in your being, and without you even realizing it, when you were holding that pen with the recruiter, something in your being said, maybe don't put the pen to paper just yet. So now you you pick Providence College. Fuck, bio sucks. It, it, oh, and Chemistry and sucks. Side- go side oh, note. God, the dude, side notes are where we're exploring. Right? Let's go. <laughs> um, I'm Buddhist. Okay. That's right, oh, so this, this is, is where you can give the best insight because you have <laughs> an access to vocabulary I do not. You're Buddhist. So how would you describe this from a Buddhist right. standpoint? So this is a, a Dominican college. I'm not yeah. seeking that. I'm not yeah. seeking any This is a Dominican Roman Catholic means. college. The <laughs> not the antithesis but like a different world from what you were raised in as a Buddhist. Yeah. And I mean I'm not judging it by any means. It's just like It's just different regal- worlds. Yeah, just regardless of what type religious or not right i was just like it just made sense to it i just you know like i think buddhism at the end of the day is i feel like you know a lot of people if they give it the opportunity they can relate because it's just about doing the right thing at the end of the day so i know that this school is all about the same thing 
doing okay. the right thing, caring about people. So, you know, I saw that in the, the staff and I saw that in the, the friars given the tour. And, you know, I got to say, like, I was the only Asian on tour. It wasn't a heavy, um, that's another reason why I wanted to go to the city. I wanted to go somewhere with a lot of diversity. Yeah. So there was a lot of things. If I would have kind of put a list, it probably wouldn't have been my normal if I kind of just looked at it objectively. Dude, this is exactly what I'm trying to figure out here. Like, like on paper and what you quote unquote wanted, what your quote unquote goal was. So, so in business, we set goals and we have KPIs and we have metrics with shareholders we have to answer to, or we have bosses we have to show our, our sales chart to. There's goals that we set that we have to say we either achieved our goal or we did not. And it's objective and it's data analytics and it's on paper. But here you are at 17, 18 years old and you're setting your own goals here. I want to be somewhere that's diverse. I want to be somewhere that has big city thinking. I want to be somewhere where I can identify as whatever, as an Asian, as a Buddhist, or where I feel like I can make something happen. And now you're in this world that is not any of those things on paper. You're at a small liberal arts college in the state you wanted to leave in Rhode Island on this tour where it's the opposite of diverse. You're the, in your words, the only Asian on the tour. Uh, there's no big city. It's Providence, Rhode Island. But you said, what did you say? Every fiber in my being? Yeah. It just, I told my sister, yeah, I'm coming here. Every fiber in your being told you to go against all these goals that you had set, whether they well, were arbitrary or not. I mean, the other, I think, positive note, Patrick, was I would be local to help my mom. Okay. You know, my, so my there was something there that, that it didn't have anything to do decent, with the goal. But the thing going to Boston, I'm an hour. Like, that's why I was like, okay, I can kind of like check all the boxes, right? Be in a big city. Easy, be close to mom. Be, be close to home and help mom out, you know, within an hour. You know, but now I'm in Providence, so I'm like, whatever, I'm 30 minutes out, give or take. Where you know, so so um, there's some magical moments yeah. here in your life where 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 you're listening to something that doesn't make sense on paper. Maybe it does a little bit, but it's not what you said you wanted to do. So you've turned down the military, you've turned down Boston, you've turned down bio, and ended up in business. What was the major that you ended up graduating with? Business management. Business management, business management to a, a quote unquote pyramid scheme or multi-level marketing agency. And unbeknownst to you, you, when you were 17, sitting in that recruiter's office, you weren't saying, I want to end up at a multi-level marketing agency. But by going with these things that are presenting themselves in your life, you end up doing that. And so now you're in your early 20, early to mid 20s. You learn, you've cut your teeth going door to door. You've learned terms like upsell what what next like at this point what what are your goals and how do those fit into the decisions you make from that point on because now we, I, you're getting closer and closer to where you are today which is founder and ceo of a company that helps people make decisions yeah i apologize i know i think we're, i think we're going very granularly here. i know we're no, I, the granular so though, but in, like, in, in look this. at what we're discovering. You said the, the, the words I want to go back to ultimately here that you said are every fiber in my being. That's what we're going to finish with. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Every fiber in my being, especially from a Buddhist point of view. So, okay. So we'll pick off where we left off. Right. So then I went to work for sharp, like selling like sharp copiers and like, okay, I'm going to get into pharmaceutical sales, you know, make six figures, go out, 
entertain people, get paid to take people out to nice dinners, play golf, all that jazz. And so you go from wanting to sell pharmaceuticals to selling copy machines. When I went to interview for the position, they said, you know what, you're young, which I knew. And so Patrick, I actually made the finals twice for two big brands in the pharmaceutical world, Merck um, and Johnson and Johnson. And I'm going against people literally coming in the business doing sales for 10 plus years. This mm. guy has zero experience in the final. I'm getting flown out to the corporate office and I would lose right in the final because on paper, yeah, everyone else is crushing me. But I was so good at that human part because of my experience from that selling door to door. I yeah. was so good at selling myself and saying why they saw my passion because, and it wasn't fake because it was still me being me they saw my passion. They saw my drive. They saw my, my just like, you know, eagerness to, to just win, you know? And just like, I think they just saw me, which is, was what got me to this final interview. So they say, look, you know, what you need to do is like work in this industry, show that you can succeed in like copy sales, for example. I'm like, oh, fine. I'll do it for a couple of years. So that's what I did. I went into that. And then my friend, Kyle Sohanowitz mm. calls me up one day, you know, okay. my, my buddy, Kyle. Yeah. Hey, come, I'm working at Verizon doing yellow pages. And I'm like, what? Yellow pages? <laughs> He's like, come, people do not retire. When someone retires, there's an opening. There is an opening. You better come and work here with me. I was like, no, nah, I have this path. I want to go do da da da. Pharmaceutical said da da da. He's like, you're going to make six figures. You work maybe 23 hours, maybe 20 hours a week. Da da da. So I'm like, okay. Like, I get to where I want to be making six figures. So there's a lot of ways to do that. All different industries, right? I'm like, fine, let's do that. So I left, left that path. I was building my firm. All right. So you're, you're brushing over something here. You're, you're like, <laughs> here's what we're trying to dig deep into. You brush over the shit that I'm trying to dig deep into here, man. So again, you're on a path. You've got your goals. You're like, shit, this is the goal I set. I'm, I'm on my way. I'm in the fucking recruiter's office here with the pharmaceutical companies. Now I'm going to these now from what I'm hearing right now. You go into these national conferences for the pharmaceutical competitions is equivalent. Not, not, com not conferences. They're, they're, I'm going to like awards, headquarters, but I'm, I'm the finalist. Okay, yep. you're a finalist. To me, what I'm hearing, uh, it, it, I'm oversimplifying it, but like it's equivalent to when you were sitting in the recruiter's office or when you were on the tour at Providence College where like you are, you're in a spot here now where your goal is clear. I want to go into the army or I want to go to the big city or now here it is. I want to succeed at pharmaceutical sales. I'm on the path. And then something happens that you did not anticipate. Kyle calls you and says, come sell the yellow pages, which even then the yellow pages were a dying art form. So it's not like the internet didn't exist at this point, but this friend of yours calls almost out of the clear blue sky and says, Hey, I have a completely different idea for you here, man. Forget the pharmaceutical industry. I want you to sell ads in the office. And you ended up going for it and you're brushing over it because you're saying, Yeah, it could get me to six figures and easier lifestyle. But I got to believe you are not someone who made the decision just because of the six figure promise. Like there was something else going on, as you called it earlier, the fibers of your being that must have said, This is the way to go. I was skeptical because just like you, yellow pages. Yeah. He's like, come benefits. 
So at that time, which is unheard of now, Patrick, all benefits 100% paid. Nothing came out of the paycheck. Mm. Like that doesn't exist anymore. Like everything paid by Verizon. So, and he's been there for a few years. So I'm like, okay. And just a little backstory. Kyle was the Rebu rep for Bryant College, now called Bryant University. So that's how we met. So there was a brotherhood in the Red Bull side. And and that's how he's like, hey, I'm working here. And he was... (laughs) shit telling me the money he was making i was like oh my god he's like come and you work in like maybe 20 to 30 hours a week like it's super easy and they give me all these benefits so i'm like okay well you know what like we're, we're all looking for right good pay and good benefits at that age and i don't have to go through this like long path to get there so i said okay it's a friend that i trust that i know of. so i said okay let's do it you know, and he also said like this opportunity, the, the window's closing because someone needs to retire for this to be open. And, and I went there and yeah, I mean, I, once I got there, I was actually one of the top, you know, top consultants I, and I just quickly moved up the ladder and I was in the top one, one percentile in the country. There was 3000 of us. I was in the one percentile. Okay. So I'm hearing a couple of themes here from you. It sounds like a couple of times now you've made decisions that you didn't expect you were going to make going back to when you're 17 years old, you make a decision contrary to what you were planning on doing or planning on making, or it was in your, your quote unquote plan. You make that decision based on something that's happening, whether it's a friend you trust or a gut instinct or a fiber in your being or a sense of community, but you make the decision for the reason you make the decision and you end up succeeding anyway. Not, I shouldn't say anyway, you end up succeeding in, in, a, in an area or in a company that you originally didn't even put on your path. Uh, Providence College wasn't a college you wanted to go to. You ended up becoming a student leader and leading in the business, leading in class, winning the class competition. You graduate from college, you go to the door-to-door sales, you end up becoming five and six, five and six. You never, you didn't walk out of the Dunkin' Donuts Center saying you wanted to go door-to-door sales. That leads to pharmaceutical sales. You're up here matching guys that have been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. Never knew anything about pharmaceutical sales. And now here you are, partially because you trusted a friend, but you went with your gut a little bit because it sounds antithetical to go sell yellow pages. And off the jump, you're number one in sales or in the top five. What did you say? Top top 5% in sales? 1% in the country. 1% in the country. So every time you've gone with a decision up until this point against what your plan was, you've ended up succeeding. Why up until this point are you succeeding every time? I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I just had to believe in myself. Do you think it's because of that belief? Do you think it's because you believed in yourself that driving the success? Yeah. I mean, now like just being wiser, I think now is it's up. Everything's a mindset. Everything's Mm -hmm. a mindset. People make excuses. Of course. I remember, you know, my my parents having money problems and mom and dad would make excuses all the time, but they always say like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And somehow we would pay the bills. You know, mm. my, my mom will work, take another shift or work another job. And so was my dad. And it was just like, they made it happen no matter how hard. And I told myself, like, I'm going to work my ass off to build a better opportunity for my family and my mom. So like mm. the driver was at that time, it's, it's me, of course, success. Like they escaped. I mean, you, I don't know if I ever even told you the story. Like we, we escaped when we came from Laos into Thailand my parents gave everything that they had 
to buy a boat, which my dad did not know how to drive. And we were hiding in the tall grass on the border, the Mekon, the crossover Thailand. And you see, my dad was telling me, you would see dead bodies floating around. We had a cross in the middle of the night. And I was the baby then. I was only a few months old. My mom would give me a bottle to literally stop me from crying. There are soldiers that they can see. And if, I, if they heard me, they would catch us and they would kill us. So we finally got over. She told me, every time she, I heard the story growing up, I would just listen and just listen. It, it was like a movie. Yeah. And I think that it was like part of what drove me to be like, you know, I got to pay it for it, pay it back. Like my mom's and my family sacrificed all these things to get me an opportunity here. And I'm not going to waste it. Yeah. So that's what drives me to bust my ass because it's like this, it, it gives me, it ingrains all that it means to like do everything you do for your, your family. Right. So like, yeah, I want to be the best. I need, I know what I need to do to make this money and like figure it out. And like, you know, like money's not always everything now, like being of course more mature now, but it does help in a lot of ways. Right. So like making all this money, like I was able to support my mom and, you know, I was, I'm helping her and paying her bills and getting her a better apartment and all these things in my younger career, in my twenties. So I felt like I, I was making it happen and things are great. I, I think everyone leaving college is like looking for a stable company, stable job, making great money. That's where I was at. Um, and then at that moment, Kyle also said, Hey, we should get our MBAs. Like, you know, like, like it's, it's just going to get a degree. So I went to Johnson and Wales in Providence, got my degree in international business. I really wanted to get back into like big corporation, do international business. was mm. hoping to maybe work for a company that's got to represent the Asian market. Cause I knew that's an emerging market. Say, look, I'm American. Well, I'm Loisian, Lo but I'm a U.S. citizen now. And I can represent looking Asian, a, a corporate company that's looking to merge into, you know, China. Cause we knew that was the market. So I got my degree. This one class, so uh, this entrepreneurial class I took, we had to come up with an idea, Patrick, and then like, you know, basically like flush it out. And then we pitched it to VCs. I didn't know until later I realized it was actually VCs. And we basically, me and my team put together like this importing, exporting business. And we got, so I, I thought of doing like lobster, like, no, like Maine lobster, important export. And that's something that everyone wants around the world. So we had this concept, we crunched the numbers. After that pitch, the VC came up to us like, are you guys going to do this? If not, we want to take it. Mm. I knew we had something there. I was like, no, we're going to run with this. So me, one of the guys ran with it. And then later he just dropped out. He didn't have the time. So I ran with it. I'm still working at Verizon. I ran with this and started with another guy who had a family lobster business in Rhode Island and him and I became business partners. And I started a company called, um, I don't know if you remember this or not. I, I do. I, I forgot all about it till you're telling the story. Right. And now it I remember, was a blimp. dude, I remember, and I remember you telling me like, I'm selling lobsters on the side. I was like, what the, f like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> How do you sell lobsters to anywhere outside of Maine or new England, but you were doing it. And I was like, come on, dude. So that's another one. Like you had told me you were going to go sell yellow pages. I was like, huh? And then yellow pages and lobsters. Now these are decisions that you made based on wanting to hustle and provide for your family at the time, your mother. But dude, all I'm hearing throughout all of this is some kind of gut voice in every decision you've made up until this point is irrational on paper, but yeah, you did it and you're you crazy. succeeded. You're crazy. You're crazy. Yeah. You're crazy. But so I think I've always been successful in whatever I put my mind to. 
And and you attribute that to your humble beginnings on the river, trying to get out of Laos as an infant, to wanting to just provide for your family and survive. And maybe I'm wondering, like, is that core thing that's part of your entire culture and history and and life, that drive to survive and provide for your family, is that something that it's a cross from the outside looking in like, Oh my gosh, suffering after suffering from the jump. But from another angle, maybe that suffering and that desire to provide for your family and escape and have safety enables you more than others to listen to every fiber in your being when everything is telling you, no, that doesn't make any sense. Don't go to Providence College. That doesn't make any sense. You got to go to the big city. Don't leave biology. You could become a successful physical therapist. You're going to go into business. Don't go into selling door to door when you could go work for a pharma company. Don't leave working for a pharma company to sell yellow pages. Don't go sell lobster. Every point, you're, every story you're telling, you've gone with your gut, the fiber in your being. Maybe it's easier, not easier, but maybe you're more attuned to the fibers in your being because of that core instinct to survive and provide for your family. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's, I don't know, I got to say it hasn't failed me, but of course, like you learn from it. And I think mm. that's what I mean from experience. But I, I guess experience also is like, I'm seeing what my parents went through a lot of, you know, really challenges financially, just like things that decisions they made, but it's like they would make stuff and somehow they would get through it. And I was like, hmm. Mm. And that's why I feel like if I made some, I guess you would call it maybe quote unquote bad decisions or things yeah. that are maybe unorthodox, but still I made through it. And it goes to show that you don't have to go with what the majority is. You got to go with what you feel, think you think it makes right. And it's okay. I didn't really feel confident in that type of decision making Patrick Pride till, you know, now running a, a company because I was a big I always like to get opinions like, Hey, what do you guys, what do you think? What do you think we're thinking? It, it really didn't hit me until my late thirties. And so I was like, you know what? Like, it doesn't matter what other people think. What do mm. I want? What, what do I, what's that's a cliche though, man. That, that, that saying drives me nuts. Like it doesn't matter what other people think you do, you do yourself. You know, I just gave a freaking talk about following your heart and going to your gut, but it's even something I still, it doesn't mean I'm good at it. It's just it's something that I'm fascinated by. Like, sure do what you want. It doesn't matter what other people think, but the reality of the world is we're extremely concerned with what other people think. Going back to your first job, you just mentioned out of college, people were criticizing you for selling things door to door. Like ultimately it didn't matter what those people thought, but it was a factor. Like it, it factored into your day to day living. Minimal, but I saw the bank account of the owner that was my boss. I was like, go ahead, guys, laugh, whatever. Like, wait until I start to see, show you literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in my bank account. Yeah. So that was my, like, you know, like I was hyper-focused. I okay. was blocking out the noise. I was hearing it. I was blocking out the noise. And that's kind of really what happened throughout my, you know, I think everything I was doing. Like, even like, you know, I was working late hours, still working full-time, right? Trying to sell important exporting. Because like, we're talking to people overseas. So like, I'm up two, three, four in the morning making deals out like, Abu Dhabi, but I learned, right? So later I realized it, a lot of that industry was really kind of like old school, like if you want to call it old boys club. And it was tough to get into, to modernize it to what we did as our 
example in our entrepreneur class was like we wanted to modernize this and kind of like you know we figured the next generation will kind of like shift but it's gonna be slow moving so you know unfortunately it didn't work out and then i continued what i was doing um and to i guess get to where i am today what happened was i know our, our verizon got you know left and they, they started buying other companies because they realized you know yellow pages is dying we need mm. to get into the digital world. So they started working, they renamed themselves and they went from like IDR to Supermedia to, to Dex. They kept trying to evolve their name to be more like techie, but it was still this big train or boat, you want to call it the Ziella pages. And, you know, it's, it's mindset of leadership and they're still kind of old school. And so I really just remember we were getting into Google ads and Google, you know, ads were something new. Facebook was obviously something wasn't around when we were in college, Patrick, right? Mm. And it started coming out, right? So understanding like kind of like internet, how it works and SEO, such an optimization. And I did a lot of research because I wanted to be, uh, the way why I was successful is I really do care about my clients and I want to be knowledgeable. I need to be that that trusted thought leader or at least someone that can give ex- explanation why and how this works, the what, how, and why. Doing tons of research, there were certain elements of this that the company wasn't doing. And I was like asking the, I even spoke to the product manager in corporate. Why aren't we doing these like landing pages? Why aren't we doing these? Like, that's how you do it. Cause I'm researching these marketing mm. you know, sites that say, this is how you optimize in you know, Google ads. You have to have these like special landing pages and you don't just point to a homepage you have to point to the specific pages and it helps with all this algorithm and score. So I, I made that recommendation and they basically said, you're right. We don't have, the process and capacity to do that process. To me, I was like, so basically we're selling a product, representing a product, but we're not doing it the right way for our clients. And that just rubbed yeah. me the wrong way. And I only could like, I'm like, how can I represent a business that's basically not doing the right thing for the, the end user? They know what the right thing is to do and they're not doing it anyway, for whatever the reason. You know, it's all about margins and who knows what yeah. it is. It always is about, you know, I think every business is about margins. There's, there's good business that care about margins, other, other businesses that do the right thing and they, and they, they get their margins, you know, yeah. the right way. So I was complaining all the time to my wife and she's like, look, leave and work for another company and do something else. And then boom, that's it. I'm starting my own agency doing the right <laughs> Okay. Yeah, again, now here you go again. You're brushing over a massive life decision here. Boom. That was it. You leave I'm, a and I'm making, stable Patrick, job. I'm, I'm making like 180 plus a month. I mean, not a month, a year. Like I'm making 180. You're well into six figures at this point. <laughs> and you say, boom, that was it. Like, do, are you married at this point? No, no. You have a serious think, girlfriend who yes, is yes. likely, if not we your fiance, are, about no, to we be are, your- We are married. I remember. So I remember, I remember we, uh, we are married. All right. So you've got a like wife. 20, 2013, 2014, going into this, and we are gotta have a baby. I had, had our first baby. You had a baby. Okay, so you yep. just went from I don't know if I was married to I'm married and I had a kid. So you're <laughs> married. You have a family. You have a baby. You're taken care of, and boom, it happens. No, get out of here. How did you decide to leave a solid paying career with a reputable company with a national brand? to do, you haven't even said what you ended up doing. I I know because I know you, but like, how did boom, it happened. Something inside of you drove you to make this unexpected decision on paper. It's crazy hearing you saying it like that, Patrick. (laughs) So yeah, like stable job, 
I mean, there was stuff like there's writing on the wall, right? Again, to the core, these guys are yellow pages still, but they're trying to get into the digital space, doing digital ads, and they were losing tons of revenue. So their writing was on the wall that it was, but they were trying to do their best to transition, right? Which makes sense. Um, but it just wasn't working out to what I think they were trying to accomplish. But I also didn't like, you know, it comes down to like how the companies run, leadership, like all that stuff. Like yeah, culture is a big thing, right? Um, but at the end of the day, like all you have is your reputation. And that was something that my wife and I strongly believe in. And I couldn't, I just couldn't give advice or consult and sell this, this solution because it just wasn't, it, it, it did not feel right. And it didn't feel right. It's not right. So I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not. That's why she said, didn't feel my right. wife said, go, she said, go do something else, find a company or do something else. Or she just, that's what she said. You just gotta, you can't keep complaining. You got to go with your gut. Something so, inside so was, of you is telling you not to do this thing. So you go with it. You make the decision. Boom, it happens. What's the decision you make? Like, well, your, re- your wife I even agrees. I'm researching, Patrick. I'm researching other companies, marketing companies. Da, da, da. I'm like, nothing that really aligns what I'm looking for. I mean, some of them sound like it, but I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of this is so still like a lot of folks are antiquated in it. And I said, like, I, I know I could do it better myself because when I was talking to the clients, they were like, this is so helpful. I'm like, I really appreciate you helping me and kind of like, I was doing stuff on the side. I was literally researching and giving them the advice out of just what I was right. Had nothing to do. Like I wasn't paid to do that. I was just like doing the extra work to do what was right. Then I was like, I kind of have a a knack for this. So I'm like, let me just do this. And when I did that, I had several clients follow me because they were followed me, right? They followed me because they knew that they, they trusted me. And I don't know. I don't know how I think back. I can't remember the conversation I had with my wife. I mean, I think she was just like, okay, like I guess your wife, you the want. mother of your new yeah. newborn child, your young family. And, but it was evident even to your wife that change needed to happen. And it was because something in your, yep. in your gut is telling you something has to change. I know I can do better than what we're doing. And so is this Correct. the point where you found your first company? First company, Black Point Interactive. I had a, you know, I sought out a friend of mine who used to work, you know, in, in the Verizon with me. And he, at that time, was working at HubSpot. So HubSpot is a very popular tech company to today. And one of the main companies that comes to marketing automation, like one of the premier. So I'll speed through that. Definitely life lessons there, you know, having a business partner, having an MBA, never got a a lawyer to represent us, you know, business one-on-one, you have a partner, you got to get that on paper legally Mm. as you as a lawyer, don't it's the first thing they teach us in law school, man. First, I know (laughs) he's like, Oh, we're we're good. Like rainbows and sunshine. We'll deal with handshakes and sunshine. No, like we're good. We're good. Fast forward year and a half into it. No, we just don't see the eye to eye in the way we want to grow the company and, you know, a lot of other things. So, you know, we split up and basically like we had a, our lawyer, a business lawyer said, I also do divorce law. This is almost worse than some of my divorce <laughs> court cases. Uh, and we nice. only had six, seven clients, <sighs> but it was that dirty. Wow. It was that dirty. But all the clients were my clients that I brought on. And I had to split it because I didn't have, I didn't do the business side of it, Mm. which I should have done. Business degree, 
MBA degree. Yeah. Uh, so that's the advice I give to any. There's a great example of where you went with your gut. I trust this guy. We have a good relationship. We've got a good idea. Let's just go on that. Yeah. Here's a, uh, mm -hmm. this is a great example of you went with your gut and quote unquote, well, you would say learned a lesson from it, suffered a cross here, uh, a setback based on a decision where you went with your gut. Now, looking back on it, it's a good thing, right? Because you learned the most important lesson that you couldn't have learned in a classroom, which is, wait, what did you say? Get your shit done by a lawyer or get it, get it down on paper. I mean, right away in the beginning, get all your fundamental stuff done, right? You get your, your legal stuff straight away, you know, your insurance, hmm. your corporation papers, all that stuff, get it all done. Okay. So you got and, burned and the first time you didn't do that the first time it burned you. You want me to gut on this guy. Long story short, it burns you. Now you've learned, quote unquote, learned the lesson. So now you're about to, I'm assuming this is where we get to the point where you found another company, but you start, I, you start it right from the jump. So I walked away. I just gave him the company. I said, you keep everything. Ah. I'll start a new company. It was easier for me. Keep the company, keep the brand name, whatever. I'll start a brand new one. So I hired a, a lawyer to say, Hey, I need to create a new company. You know, when you hire a lawyer, they're supposed to do their due diligence yeah. in the name and et cetera. So we named the company Envision Digital Media. You know, there's a company called Envision Digital Marketing. So <laughs> in the same state, it's one thing. It's like, whatever. <laughs> Dude, in there's the a corporate database state. search. It takes yeah. two seconds. I learned that in so first year too. A year, a year or so into that, like, oh. So it's like, oh, you're, you're infringing in this person. Yeah, you are. Fired her. Started a new company, had to rebrand. That's hard, and got a new lawyer, and it worked out, you know. And uh, um, no, no, so now, now you're the founder and CEO of InThink. <laughs> InThink. Ironically, yeah. people won't see this because this is an audio podcast, but I, I'm looking at you through Zoom wearing an Envision Digital sweatshirt. So this is yes. the the prior branding. Correct. I still rep, like you know. I'll, you I'll still wear rep my, the my core. Swag. Still, yeah, man. No, it's, it's, it looks uh, good. It's, it looks it's legit. OG. All right. <laughs> so even through a couple of mistakes here, you're learning lessons. Hundred percent, all the and, time. So now, anytime I talk to any entrepreneur or startup, I'm like, get your legal stuff squared away if you have a partner. When I hear that right you, away, I, I literally I will cut them, stop them. Like before I help you with anything else you need help with, do you have your like legal documents? No. I say, go get that done. Yeah. All right. So there's <laughs> one other, I don't know if you're going to want to talk about this one. Let me know. But there's one other decision you made in the last, I don't know how long, 18 months or so that I know you've made. We don't have to get into details, but there was a decision where you, you were presented with an out from the company you have or to stick with the company you have. Okay. We, yes, we should talk about this. This is Okay. Big. So this is big. I, I'll let you tell the story because I don't know what details you're allowed to share or not to share. But what I really want to explore is because to me, the way you first told me this story on paper is another decision like, no, it's a no brainer. Like, of course, of course, this is the decision you're going to make. But here's Kam Intharath going with every fiber in his being and making the decision that that on paper you wouldn't expect someone to make. I want to explore this. These, these need to be spliced and clipped. I'm going to play this back to my wife forever and my kids forever. <laughs> this is on record. So 
as you know, you get to meet great people, you know, in the business world. And I got to become really good friends. First, business-wise, I met a, you know, a hedge fund or, you know, venture capitalist, Sean. And we did a, like a project or so for him and he invests and buys businesses. And he like, you know, he'll hope it, it, it takes money to make money, right? That's how you scale. You some, like, so why you see these companies getting all this funding, like hundred million dollars, $50 million, because you got to infuse it. Like it, it's, you got to raise capital, you know, these businesses. So he was doing that. And then um, he went from like, you know, a, a startup, like, and he comes from, he's an entrepreneur and then he comes from a financial background. So he also on them within like a year. He's a hundred million dollar fund. Like that's a lot of money in a year. Like yeah. People like trying to like 10, 20, 40, because again, it goes back to him, like him as a person, like when you meet him, like he is just, I also, he's just a, a pure, nice, good, honest guy. Okay. And it's tough. Like it sounds cheesy, but you know, I, I've got to know him over time. And then we did a podcast together. So we're doing this podcast called The, the Vulnerable Entrepreneur hmm. because entrepreneurship is very vulnerable and no one's really talking about the nitty gritty and all the scary shit that's happening in entrepreneurship. Everyone's like trying to talk about the good stuff. I'm like, we want to have a place to like share because I was like confining in him with my challenges and things like that. And he would like, you know, we would just have these great conversations and just having drinks or whatever after work. I'm like, let's just do a podcast and talk about it no expectations. I don't care. We, you know, we help one person find it. And that's what we did. So, you know, a year or so into it, his firm's, you know, obviously growing. He's like, I want to buy you. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, I want to buy uh, you. Yeah. He's like, well, I know you will never let go of your agency come. So basically I have to buy your agency to get you. I want you to work for me. I want you okay. to be our CMO. I want you to be our, our partner. I want you to be a partner. Like, equal partners. I respect you. So we went wow. through like a, a good, like several months, like building, doing some, you know, some, some preliminary due diligence and all that stuff. So like, I'm like, okay, wow, I'm going to get acquired. Like, this is the goal, like life cycle of any business, right? It's either you get acquired or you sell it. Okay. You know? Either way you're, you're selling it. That's the life cycle. As much as people have a passion about their stuff, but eventually we always ask these entrepreneurs, okay, I know you love what you're doing, but what's your end game? What do you mean? I'm going to do this forever. But no, really. Like, what's your end game? Well, you can't do it forever. Yeah. You got to either pass it down to someone or you got to sell it or it's gone. And it's like a ha ha moment. And when someone asks you, like, even, I remember this a while back when my CFO was like, so what's your exit plan? I'm like, exit plan? I'm only yeah. like a few years into this. Yeah. But you have to understand what that looks like. So anyways, chatting with Sean and you know, you know, he's showing me this plan and we're like, it's like on a nap, like literally like you see the stories, like literally on a nap and like drawing it out. Like here's how it looks. Here's the structure. Here's all the funds. So I'm like, what's my projected like annual? And it's like, Oh, like your first year just on salary. Plus, you know, like you make options and stock, like you make minimum a million. It's like, what? Like, I, and I like, don't try to make a face. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. a million sounds a million. Like, a million you know, but also have like X, you know, percentage, and it's like so when we like in like you've added so. Then he was telling me like, okay, well, we have to like purchase your company, so like let's let's evaluate your company. Later, he tells me like, yeah, we're gonna evaluate your company at twenty million dollars. And then hit one of his partners were saying like, I don't think that's enough. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know that until like, he told me this. This is after so, this is after you know long story short, we didn't go through with this. So 
leading up to this, well, here, you go, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Brushing over a major oh, okay. decision. Uh, long story short, we didn't go through with it. Okay. Boom. It so, happened. All right. Uh, let me let me back up, Patrick. Right. So <laughs> so I talked to my wife about this. She's like, Hey, this sounds great. Tell me about what this is. You sound like excited about this opportunity. Come like da da da. Like my wife does not care about the money. She's never has. It's not her. And. No, she's a pharmacist and, and we're fine, like financially. Yeah. And for, for, from a financial standpoint, we just care about what makes sense for me. We're not looking to be, you know, wealthy and all that stuff. We just want to make sure we take care of ourselves and do what makes sense for our family. So she's like, yeah, go for it. And then she's, you know, so now I tell Sean, hey, we're looking to move forward. What's the next stage? Like, tell me, like, what does it look like? Like, what does this role look like from me traveling and things? Because like, it's international. We have, okay, they have clients out all across. Like he's flying to London. Dubai, and I told him like I have little kids. Like at this point, I have three little kids. I go, I I, I can't fly as a comp. I want your family. And that's what I love about him is like, I want to make sure that doesn't get in the way. So you need to fly them out. Let's fly them out. We'll fly them to France. We'll go to like we'll make sure your family's around. I was like, great. This sounds great. You all know, right, like, bro. So now you're talking to me about a million dollars and flying all over the world with your family. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure we're great. clear. On my yeah, end, on my I, end, right? yeah man, on paper, this sounds pretty dope. So keep going. I'm like, great. I tell my wife, no, we can't. That's not the lifestyle. That's not the lifestyle that makes sense for us now It's with little kids. <clears throat> I'm like, well, I'm trying to build wealth for us. Like, I want to build something for the kids, a legacy. They have something. We like, literally, we'd be fine. Like, sound. We're fine. I, I go, I, I know we're fine. Like, I know we're happy. Like, but she's like, I'm like, I'm like, well, we can have this level of wealth to create something that we can pass down to our kids it's like but we don't need that but so the rub is i i want that and she mm. so we're not aligned right on the goals and i think yeah so i asked sean i was like how much would i need to travel he's like, he's like maybe like a week like a week out of a month and you know like you need to be down like you got you know we had to close like multi-million dollar like some hundred million dollar deals and you're the marketing person you're the cmo like um, you know, your agency is also going to be the one doing the work for all of our, our clients. Right. So like, it's kind of like we're automatically getting work. So like my agency also exponentially grows from revenue standpoint. So I'm winning on both ends. Like I still represent my agency as a CEO, but I'm also a partner in this, this, this fund hedge fund company. Um, so my wife goes, no, I actually, if, if you were traveling once, maybe twice a month, that would work. I was like, that's just not going to happen. She's like, mm. well, then this is not the right thing for our family. And I really struggled <laughs> to not fight back <laughs> on this. And I had to like, just listen to my wife, my partner, and what was best for my family at that time. Little kids, little kids, literally one, two, three years old, like little kids. I was like, okay, I get it. Like, I can't, it's not her. It's too much for her. Of course it is, you know, to be a mom by herself, of course, her professional herself. She's not a stay-at-home mom. Like she's an ex executive, you know, in, in her job, it's demanding. And I pick family first. And they mm. stay happy, white, happy life, right? And, and they, they do say the that longest time. But I, it really hit me. It made sense that quote, and um, I turned it down. I said, Sean, it's just not a good time for me right now. And he was like, That's fine. And he said, You know, I get it. He's like. He even said to me, he's like, you know, that was one of the things like he had a divorce. So he's like, one of the hardest thing for me, you know, was business and, and family life. And he goes, yeah. I commend you, Calm, that you put your family first 
where most entrepreneurs or most people would not do that. Yeah. They're so focused on the family because of course, like I'm trying to create a better life for us based on the, the company I'm building. But I, I saw the bigger, more important part was the family part. And it might take me a little bit longer and that's fine. Okay. That would have been my golden ticket to kind of make everything happen. But I would have sacrificed like maybe missing some magical moments with my family, maybe missing, you know, championship, whatever a game or a recital, a ballet recital because I'm traveling and I'm across yeah. the world. How long ago was this decision from when, from today, when we're recording this? This was probably a year and a half ago. All right. So looking at it a year and a half later, the decision, do you think it was a decision you made based on your gut or do you think it was a decision you made against your gut for, from a selfless, I'm a father and a husband point of view? Like what was your gut telling you to do in that moment a year and a half ago? My gut was totally saying your wife is your partner. Your wife is your family and everything is your life here. So like, this is the right decision. As much as you hate it, calm right now, this is the right decision. Deep down inside. I knew it because I wasn't surprised with my wife's response. I wasn't. You expected it because deep down inside, you I, knew that I, was yeah. the answer. Yeah. 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 I thought and so maybe, now. Yeah. Yeah. You thought maybe what? I thought maybe she'd be like, you know what? Da, da, da. Like, oh, we'll make it happen. Like, this is great opportunity. Da, da, da. Like wow, we can like make all this like wealth and money and put it away. Like we literally be retired right now, but no one knew that. <laughs> oh, so, so like fast forward Dude. to today, fast forward to today, which retired. you don't know this, fast forward to today, Patrick, Sean retired in December. We're doing this now in March. He retired in December. Oh, wow. I'm never going to be retired. So that sounds incredible. I'm like, so strong. So like, if we went through the whole thing, like you retired and I probably could have like, maybe also tried to exit too. What would that number look like? He's like, he's like, honestly, I mean, calm. like I really I can try to crunch it for you, but yeah, I don't know what to say, but it probably would have been pretty good. <laughs> wow. Like, so, okay. So that, I mean, go fuck yourself. There's no way that doesn't burn a little bit. Hindsight 2020. Exactly. That's sort of, that's sort of, Part of this whole exploration I'm trying to do with people is like hindsight 2020, but we make the decisions we make and we sometimes we do or do not follow our gut. And I, I can go through my life in personal and professional times where I did and did not go with my heart. And there's an anecdote for every single time. And some of them were failures and some of them were successes. But I can look at it now, hindsight 2020, and tell you clearly failure, success. And if it was a failure, here's what I learned. You're only a year and a half out from this decision, but you just told me this dude is retired. I mean, that, that hurts me and I had nothing to do with it. So was going with your gut a year and a half ago and turning this opportunity down, was it the right move? I'm really honestly, Patrick, I'm fine with it. We're at a whole different level now with my agency. There's just like proudness when you, this craftsmanship and the thing that, you know, when you build it with your hands and like, I got more involved with my agency over the last several months because, you know, it needed work, you know, and, and at the same time we, we were struggling. Cause like, just like there were things that we know again, like some business need that cash infusion to get like better workers and systems and stuff. And it was kind of like, this was going to be my golden ticket to kind of like fix the struggles I already had. But then yeah. when my wife said, no, it's not a good time for my family. Like, That's fine. I respect that. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do here? 
I need some cash infusion. I need to hire. I need all this other things to kind of scale. And then it made me think out of the box. It made me kind of get back into just fundamentals. It made me go back working in the business versus on the business. And it's great because I just see the business differently because I was away from it for a couple of years and I'm trying to have people help me kind of, you know, you got to delegate and you hear all those yeah, things. Yeah. Sometimes you have to go back into it, you know, and you gain respect from your, your teammates and your peers because they see that you're doing the hard work. You, you know, you got to like scrub the floors, whatever it is. And we're at a very excellent spot now. So I'm not really regretting the whole thing. Um, maybe, yeah, I could have shortened let's be honest, probably could have shown a lot of different things for me, but my family life and my wife, they're excellent. They're happy. And we have a fourth baby at that time. We had three, we have a four. So there was no way that, Oh yeah, actually. So what happened was um, I did tell him, I said, we actually, my wife is pregnant. So we were expecting the fourth when All this right. was happening. Um, and my wife was like, it's not a good time. No way. That's why yeah. I kind of knew the answer, but I wanted to let her know what was happening. So it wasn't like detrimental because I, I saw what it could have been, but I knew the right choice was not to do it. Okay. So you said one more thing. I, we can end on this note because <laughs> it, it's crazy how natural conversation, this is why I don't care about having a podcast in 30 minutes because it takes time to get into some of this stuff. Yeah. And you, you break into you, two parts. You know, we, we might end up doing that because your story is so fast. I mean, we could do five more episodes on your story. Your personal life alone is fascinating, but so you said, um, when I asked you, does it sting to know, to know you could be retired right now? You said, I'm fine with it. And I couldn't, we all think we all tell, hear stories and, and relate them to our own. The Ted talk I gave that kind of was the catalyst for this podcast. I talk about how, when you follow your heart, even when you fail, it's okay because at the time you made a decision that you knew was the right one to make. So even if you quote unquote fail, there's a sincerity of purpose and a clarity of heart that you have because you went with something in your core. So the example I gave from my own life was I was 18 years old. I had been diagnosed with cancer a second time and we were deciding where to have this potentially life-saving procedure in, in one hospital or another. The choice was 50, 50, but we had to make a choice. We made the choice. And I'm still here to tell the story, but the example I give is had we made that choice and had I passed away and died at 18 years old, that would have been, I would have been fine with it in your words. Like that would have been okay too, because when we made that decision and when I made that decision with my family in our gut, there was something in our core that said this thing which on paper kind of didn't make sense for other long reasons we won't get into here. Uh, this is the right decision. And if I don't come home from it, it's okay because we believe that this is the right decision. And that's what happened with you. Like you believed in being a father and a husband and taking care of your three children and your fourth on the way. And today you could be retired, but you're like, it was the right decision. So you could have made that decision and be bankrupt today. And it still would be okay because you went with every fiber in your being, what you knew the right decision was supposed to be. It's oh, yeah. fucking amazing. hundred percent. And no, I don't regret it. Crazy. Right. Think about it. I don't regret it because like, there's no other way I, I played it in my head. If I did that path and, and just kind of say, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to do it. Because some people say like, you know what? You have to just do what's best for you. And I get it. Right. 
you know, sometimes you do. And then maybe eventually the family will, will understand yada, yada. But I've played that scenario in my head and mm. that would not have played out well for me. So other people might have a different situation, but for me, that, that was the right, and it is the right decision. I'm fine with, and I'm not even fine with it. Like it was the right decision. And, and like, I'm excited kind of where we're going now. Like we're actually creating a service and a product that's will disrupt the market in marketing. Cause like just the trends with privacy now and things like that. Like I have some, like I brought in a data scientist, like a lot of things that are happening in the marketing world, a lot of the agencies are addressing and we know, cause we're getting feedback from people and even clients. So we're really excited about kind of like where our agency is going. At first I was like, who am I? I'm another agency among all these other agencies that have been around for a long time. Like, like think about it, Patrick, like they've been around, right? How can I be, a, and I'm not trying to be the best, not at all. I just want my little sliver, my piece of the pie. But the reality is I could have a pretty big part of this pie and we're on that path. And that's not something I wasn't planning to do. I was like, you know, there's plenty of work out there. I really yeah. have never run into my competitors. So it's it's exciting to kind of see now where this is going to take us. Because I think at the end of the day, I just like building. I like making something and making it work and building it. And that's probably more enticing than, of course, like you make, eventually if you make a lot of money, that, that doesn't really, when you get to a certain amount, it's not about that, right? That's why people go back into serving, serving mm. others volunteering because like after you make a certain amount it just doesn't do it for you anymore and i'm not saying i'm at that point in any means trust me but other people like yeah i just want more money but i don't know like that's not for me like i'm trying to figure out how to serve humanity and i know like our whole vision is basically saying we help serve businesses so that they can serve their communities and what we mean by that is that by our way of doing marketing and creating and growing their business they're viable they're thriving. They're doing better for their business. And by doing that, they're able to pay their employees. By mm. being able to pay the employees, they go home, they spend money, they spend money, and it goes back into the community. It's a whole life cycle that goes back. Mm. So that's how I'm giving back. I'm doing my part to help a business because that business is economics. It goes back and everyone benefits. And that's and look what at gets that. me up every day. Look at that. You said something. You said, and we're serving humanity and go all the way back to when we first started talking, when you said you wanted to go into physical therapy and study biology, you said, I want to help humanity. I want to help people live better lives. And you're still doing that in a way you never would have dreamed at 17 years old in the recruiter's office. I can't wait yeah. to hear what you're going to do next, man. Common Therath, founder and CEO, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah. This was awesome. This was really awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Bro. I can't wait for chapter two, dude. 